Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome to Talk Zone, the home of Motivation with a Purpose, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time where we attempt every week to inspire, motivate, and challenge you to live and work with purpose. I'm Rich Hallstrom, and my special co-host this week is Chris Hardy from her palatial estate in Colorado Springs, and she's sitting in for Seek Bambolo, who is away on assignment this week. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hi, Rich. I'm doing great. How are you today? I am doing great. How's the estate in Colorado Springs? The palatial estate, yes, it's it's very palatial. The palatialness is great, and um, <laughs> maybe not everyone would describe it as a palatial estate. But you know, I am going with with your assessment. I kind of like that. <laughs> well, you know, this is actually the second time that you have done the show with me, and that anyone who's followed the show, Motivation with a Purpose, from the beginning, will remember the time that we teamed up with. Uh, Invisible Disabilities Association uh, through KKNW 1150 AM in Seattle, Washington, when we were just on locally, but now we're on nationally. So I thought that it would be a great time to bring Chris Hardy on as my special co-host this week. She has a lot to offer and a lot of insight to our very special guest, Bonnie Simon from Hungry Chicken Homestead. She is a friend of yours, Chris. Why don't you tell a little bit about that relationship as we get the show going and kind of what uh, people have to look for this forward to this week. You bet. Oh, well, it's going to be a treat, Rich, and I can't wait to to talk with Bonnie in just a couple of minutes here. Um, she is... Uh, she has been a friend for a few years now, and um, sorry about that. The, the phone is ringing, but it will stop in a moment if you're picking that up. Well, uh, well you know, but Bonnie, those, are just, those are just your fans calling in, knowing that you're well, on the show this week, and they just want to they just want to wish you well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie is amazing and we've had the, um, I've had the privilege of getting to know her for a few years now and she has quite the story to tell about she and her chickens, her urban chickens, Rich. It's quite, um, quite something you don't run into every day. Well, I guess that means we're going to be talking about success one egg at a time. Pardon the, uh. Interjection, interjection there. You got it. You got it. She, uh, Bonnie, promotes the pursuit of the American dream one egg at a time. She and her chickens do. It'll well, Chris, be uh, good time to hear from her. It's time to re- to remind everybody and promote ourselves a little bit to uh, remind everybody to find us on TalkZone.com at the Talk Channel or the Christian Channel or the New Horizons Channel right here. Every week, you can find Motivation with a Purpose at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at Talk Zone on one of those three channels. And you can also find us on Facebook at MWP Radio AM and also on Twitter at MWP Radio Man. But once again, our home is TalkZone.com. Tune in every week at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another for all the exciting episodes of Motivation with a Purpose. And before we get going with Bonnie, Chris, I would like your, you to introduce yourself to maybe our, to maybe some of the people in our uh, vast listening audience out there nationally that don't know a lot about what you do. Ah, well, thanks, Rich. You know, I am uh, I'm at a point where I have kind of uh, changed a little bit what I do as well. For the past decade, I've been a professional speaker, and I've loved it, and I still do speaking, but I also now am a product creator. I create inspirational products, short short, um, custom original quotes on things that stick, on stuff that sticks. So magnets and are, are my first item right now, and um, I'll be having more products coming up as well, vinyl clings and temporary tattoos and all kinds of fun things. 
but um, I am the short chick with the walking stick, and you can find more out about me on my website, which is shortchick.com, shortchick.com. Uh, it's a new site, just getting it up and running, so it's a little little bit uh, bare bones right now, but it'll give you a sense of who I am, and you know, keep coming back to it. There'll be more more good stuff on it coming up pretty soon. And you also have a handle on Twitter, and uh, they can reach you on Facebook, too, right? Yeah, you got it. Yep, Facebook is Short Chick with a Walking Stick, so just plug in Short Chick with a Walking Stick. Once you're in Facebook, you'll find my page there. Join me there. And also on Twitter, I tweet a couple times a day anyway. Uh, and just, again, short inspirational quotes, typically, to keep us all going. I think we all need that. My handle on Twitter is Chris Harty. It's K-R-I-S-H-A-R-T-Y. And I'd and, love for people to follow me there. And that's popping up on my screen almost uh, almost every day. So Chris is a very active Twitter a uh, follower and uh, a Twittery, I think, is how that goes. Isn't that right? <laughs> a Twittery. I will be a Twittery. Absolutely. <laughs> I am a Twittery. Well, without further ado, uh, Chris, why don't you take a moment and introduce our very special guest this morning to our audience out there? Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Well, Bonnie Simon. Uh, you are in for a treat, our, uh, our dear listener friends today. Um, Bonnie Simon is owner of Hungry Chicken Homestead. It's HungryChickenHomestead.com. And she also has another company called Hens with Pens. And they're complimentary. Bonnie Simon has, has urban chickens. And she wears a couple different hats. She, um, she's, a big promoter of local businesses, and she works um, very actively within local local um, homesteading and local food uh, food resources. And she'll tell us more about that in a bit. She's very much all about organic and healthy eating, and she also, through Hens with Pens, promotes other businesses, small business owners across the country. She writes their stories. She's quite a storied, uh, story writer and she uses those stories to help them promote their businesses. She's a self-described story artist and food bearing monkey at Hungry Chicken Homestead. And Bonnie, we are so excited to have you with us today. How are you? Thank you. I'm well. How are you? I'm great. I'm a, I'm just great, um, and Bonnie, we'll get into this a little bit more and more coming up here too. But you're you're kind of a corporate person turned small business entrepreneur, and I'm eager yeah. to hear more about your story and have you share that with us. I I, I think we refer to that as being a corporate refugee. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I like that as, as a former. Different. Well, as a corporate refugee, yeah, as corporate yeah, refugee. yeah, you're also a corporate refugee. <laughs> I am. I like that description. I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that from you coming up here in the future. Feel free, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I well, chickens. You went from Sorry. corporate to chickens. Wow, that's quite a leap. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Um, you know, and one of the questions that I have, we're gonna we're gonna cover a lot about the chickens and a lot about your businesses, but I have a question I need to ask you up front because this intrigues me about chickens. Um, do chickens have their own social order, and how how does that work for them? Are they kind of like humans in that way? Oh, they they're worse. <laughs> they're they do worse. have a social order. <laughs> and so. Well, the, the the reason I know this is because um, I you know when you order. Chickens, you, you know, you, they don't. You don't get siblings. You get box mates. They just come in a box and um, in the mail. And and so I had my first four chickens, and I got along fine. And it was very hard to tell what the pecking order was. But then I added four. I added two more, and um, now it's really obvious. They, uh, you know, they, if the if the chicken and and the next chicken stand next to each other, the ranking chicken will peck the other chicken. But you know, like if chicken one stands next to chicken six, there's no. They don't even really interact. It's fine. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty fascinating. I I had no idea. Yeah, they're, so they're, they they come uh, to you as as box mates. Chickens do, right, right. And and so your original four got along pretty well, and and then and then more were introduced, and and that's when some social issues came up. 
Yes. Yeah, I think they, the original four must have worked out the pecking order when they were young, and, you know, I didn't even really notice. But, but when the other, that's how I have a chicken who sleeps in the garage, chicken number six. Or the other chickens pull her feathers out at night if I leave her in the coop. So I put her in the garage, and I put her out in the morning, and she's part of the flock, and then at night she goes back in the garage. And, uh, you know, that's what it is to have urban chickens and, you know, we're mostly pets. If they were livestock, I wouldn't care. But, you know, she has a name, so I feel strongly about having all her feathers. Bonnie, I have a question following up on uh, Chris's question about the chickens. Now, we got to get the inside scoop here. How do you come up with names for all these different uh, chickens? That must be a little bit of a challenge. Well... This is an odd story. <laughs> um, when I first got the chickens, my intention was that they were going to be livestock. They would lay eggs for a couple of years, and then I would eat them, and thus I did not plan to name them. But, you know, I, I trade in words. I'm a writer. So uh, there they were. There were four little tiny chickens in this, this brooder that I had built. And I felt that I needed to be able to identify one from the other to be able to tell the difference because they kind of looked the same. So I ended up thinking of them just by the colors of their feathers on their heads. So that's how we got them. Uh, I have Redhead, who had red feathers on her head, and then um, then I have Specklehead, who had speckles, and Blonde Chicken, who had a yellow head. And then I had one that had some red and some blonde, and she became Middle Chicken, and um, that's how they got those names. And the other chickens, well, one of them came to me with a name. That was Roxanne. Um, and then the last one, uh, I had a housemate who said, oh, you should call her Marshmallow, because she was, She's a white chicken, and um, then Marshmallow turned out to be this this raving lunatic of a chicken who's now chicken number one. She's the head chicken because she just pecks everyone who gets anywhere near her. So oh wow! What we have is the, the wrath of Marshmallow is, uh, is what happened. <laughs> That's hysterical. A chicken named Marshmallow. I like that somehow. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. intrigued too. I have to ask you about the name Roxanne. Now, I wouldn't expect a chicken named Roxanne, but then I wouldn't expect one named Marshmallow either. So, how, how did uh, how did Roxanne come about? Uh, well, Roxanne already had her name for some reason. In my friend, the friend who gave me these two white chickens, that you know they must have had ten chickens, and Roxanne was the only one who had a name. And I, I don't know, I don't know why they gave me the one with the name, but I got the, I got her, and she's a great chicken. She's very sweet. She, I don't know if you know, she lives up to her name. It's not the kind of name you can live up to, but but she deserves a name. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Do they uh, do chickens respond to, to their names when you call them? No, no. They, um, I don't think so. Anyway, I, I guess they probably. I think they wouldn't care that they have names. They, what they care about is that when I come outside, do I have snacks? They kind of have one track minds. <laughs> Well, I know some humans like that, and one of them might be me. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> That's completely understandable. <laughs> Feed me, I'm yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Bonnie, I, I'm curious, too. You've had your chickens for a little while now. Um how do chickens change with age? Are they troublesome early on, like puppies and kittens, when they're young? Do they age gracefully? Do they get cranky? How does that look? Oh well, that's a good question. They um, when when they're small, well, I, you know, it's hard to say. When they were small, this was the first time I ever seen live chickens, and I was kind of afraid of them. Um, so I guess I mean, you know, they're they're sweet. They were little, and they make these little peeping sounds, and. Um, and then they got bigger, and I would put them outside every day, and that was the first time I ever saw them angry was because I would put them in this chicken playpen in the backyard, and then at night I would put them back inside because they were small, and I didn't want them to get eaten by anything. So um, I would chase them around in this little, you know, just imagine I'm about five feet tall, and the pen was three feet tall, and I would get in there with the chickens and chase them around, and they would make this angry chicken squawking sound, and, you know, one by one I would catch them and I would put them in the box. Um and then we would go back in the house. That was the chicken transport box. And then I guess, I don't know, they just seem to mellow out at some point. But I have noticed that um, they, they go through phases where in the wintertime when they're molting, they're crabby. They just want to stay in the coop all the time, and they don't want to talk to anybody, and they're not really interested in anything. And in the summertime, um, they're, they're just excitable. Every time they lay an egg, they, they run outside, and they sing the egg song as loud as they can. 
and um, you know, and then they do it all again the next day. So I, I guess, I guess I could say maybe they're like people that they're pretty mild until they hit puberty, and you know, and then they they're just unpredictable. <laughs> I love that great chicken insight. <laughs> Our, <laughs> Our guest is Bonnie Simon from Hungry Chicken Homestead. We'll be back with more of our conversation with Bonnie after this time out on Motivation with a Purpose. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Listener friend, this is Chris Hardy in for Zeke Bambolo today, and I am happy to co-host, to guest co-host with Rich, Rich Holstrom of Motivation with a Purpose Radio Show today. Thank you, Rich. I, I love uh, love working with you on your show. And well, we are we are just learning all about success, one egg at a time. We and are guests. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I won't. I promise I won't overuse that line. I've used it twice now i think i better put it in the closet <laughs> it's a great line though and we'll talk to bonnie more about that too and how that came to be we're talking today with bonnie simon of hungry chicken homestead you can find her at hungrychickenhomestead.com and she also runs a business called hens with pens and bonnie is talking today with us about her urban chickens and her businesses her passion for for what she does and we'll get more into that uh Right now, um, Bonnie. Uh, not only do you live with chickens, you work with them. You're in business together. You and the chickens run a couple of companies, like I mentioned, Hungry Chicken Homestead and Hens with Pens. Uh, tell us about your businesses and how they came to be. Yeah, that's uh, true. Actually, the chickens are not allowed to leave the yard, so they do all the administrative work. But they can't actually go out. So Hungry Chicken Homestead, um, as, as you pointed out, its uh, mission is to promote the pursuit of the American dream one egg at a time. Um, and I, so I, we, uh, we, me and the chickens, um, we try to promote locally owned businesses as much as we can, um, which is a great job because what that means is that I get to go out and meet people who start businesses and hear their stories, which are without, uh, without uh, exception, they're inspiring um, and I get to eat a lot of wonderful things because a lot of these businesses are food businesses. And I can, one thing I can tell you about people who start food businesses is that they really know how to cook. And I am a very lucky person. Um, I also, uh, I write, this is, this is what I do for money, is I, I write and um, I, I help businesses understand, it's story branding, so I, I help them understand how they want to project, what image they want to project to the public. And we write a story about them, and it's... Um, because they are, like I said, without exception, they're inspiring. It's it's pretty easy to write these stories, um, and it's really, I really enjoy it because it helps me stay motivated and inspired as well. I don't know. Did that answer the question? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We and we have a lot more questions for you too. And uh, if you, our listener, would love to call in and ask Bonnie your own question, our call-in number is eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Again, that's eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. And we'd love to hear from you. Um, Bonnie, what is, I have a question. What is your biggest challenge in helping a small business uh, get off the ground with their branding and getting them out there? What's your biggest challenge uh, helping a business to do that? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, maybe you've tried to do this where you try to tell your own story, and it's really difficult to do because you know every last bit of information, and it doesn't necessarily flow together neatly. Um, so I spend a lot of time with my clients talking about about their business and how they see it. Um, and in the process, uh, one, one client said to me, she said, it's almost like you've been my therapist for the past few weeks. <laughs> but, um, you know, we, we kind of, I think in the process of talking about it, it helps people think about what they're doing and why they do it. Um, and that, that why is very important. Um, so I, I mean, I guess the question was, what's the most challenging? I mean, it, it, it's also fascinating 
Um, but I think that's the hardest part for people is is telling me, you know, like how, how, how do they see their businesses? And I know it's hard to tell your own story because I find it difficult to tell my own story. I can tell your story, but it's hard for me to tell mine. So I think everyone goes through that. Bonnie, I think. have you have you gotten better at telling your own story through the years? Well, yes, <laughs> but, um, but I I still find it easier to tell other people's stories. That just you know because you don't have all the there's a lot of like noise. I mean, I change my mind a lot, just like everybody else. But I think I have gotten a better idea of what it is I'm trying to do and what 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 really inspires me and what I believe in. So the, it has gotten easier to tell tell people my story plus i've written it down a hundred times but you know <laughs> so that helps too and bonnie you help you've helped clients across the country tell their own stories as well um i know that you focus a lot on colorado springs colorado which is where both you and i happen to live uh where we each are but you've worked with clients across the country so so you're able still even though you might not be meeting in person um there's a whole lot of other ways to to meet up with people these days electronically and um i imagine you're very good at pulling out of them their stories and and writing them is that um has that been a fun challenge to meet with people not in person and learn all about them it is it is. I mean, I guess that's the miracle of the 21st century, isn't it? That like, even as we're doing this radio show today and the show's in Seattle and I'm in Colorado Springs and we could be anywhere. Um, and I, I think it's, um, what this brings to mind is actually I have a client in Florida whose business is to um, help people find jobs that, you know, say you're a professional in a job and you're, you know, you, you feel like it's time to move on, but you're not exactly sure what to do or what direction to move in. He can help you from, you know, wherever you are because of, of the, this modern technology. You can use Skype or email or telephone or, you know, whatever you want um, to, to provide services, you know, to help people from anywhere. Um, so I, I guess in a sense I'm, I'm doing the same thing. But, um, and it, it's nice to have that kind of reach. People are different in different states. They, um, the stories that people tell and the, the, the culture, I mean, it's one of the things I love about America is that, you know, from coast to coast, it, it, there's all different kinds of people, and the cultures in different places are different. And so it, it really, um, you know, I always think it's, it's a pleasure to, you know, to have a client in another state so that I can hear what it is to run a business in that state. Interesting. Well, and, and that goes back to a little bit what, uh, what Rich and I were talking about with your tagline earlier, which is promoting the pursuit of the American dream one egg at a time. I love that tagline. How did you, how did you come to that? What's the meaning behind it? Well, I, you know, I mean, I think writers do this. It's kind of intuitive. And I think I was making a joke on Facebook and I said, oh, it's like tagline jokes. And that was one of them. But when I really thought about it, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm, you know, one egg at a time, one business at a time, trying to promote the pursuit of the American dream. That I, I meet a lot of people who have great ideas and have really good reasons for wanting to start businesses. And I think that there's something, um, there's something to be said. You know, we all want to live the way we want to live, but we, there's restrictions. It's difficult. Um, you know, you have to pay the taxes and the mortgage and, and all of those things. And, I really admire when people take the risk and and try to live their lives the way they want to live it. So live them. So so I, that's what I'm trying to do is help them. You know, one one business at a time, trying to help people do what they want to do. Um, I, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. <laughs> I'm not sure it actually. <laughs> well, that's what we're but here for. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we are yeah, talking with Bonnie Simon of Henry Chicken Homestead today and Hens with Pens, and she is an urban chicken raiser, among other things. Uh, Bonnie, you had you made a, a big shift uh, from working for years in the corporate world, as we mentioned earlier, being a, and now you're a corporate refugee. You're a small business owner. Uh, how, you followed your passion to support other people now with their small business passions. What was that change like going from corporate to to a small business owner and doing your own thing? Oh, do you want the whole story from the beginning? Yeah, we'd love yes, to. Yes, the, the whole the whole thing, every detail. The whole thing. 
Uh, well, I can give you all that. Remember, <laughs> um, so in uh, in 2008, um, I was living in Cleveland um, with my husband, and um, we were both working for the same big company. And it was a fine life. We, you know, we we lived in a, in, in a ring suburb, and it was, you know, we we liked it. It was a good life. Um, but unfortunately, uh, that summer he was diagnosed with leukemia, and um, and he passed away within six weeks of the diagnosis. So that left me in, in you know, kind of a whirlwind of change. You know, what do you do with that? Um, so I, uh, the company that we had been working for, I, I, to this day, I'm grateful to them. They offered me a job in Colorado Springs, and I, you know, in six months, I took that job. I, I remodeled the house. I sold it, and, you know, and I moved out here. I'd never been to Colorado, but I moved out here. Um, and so that was, you know, that was all the activity in the first six months of widowhood, but when I got here, I, I think I worked for that company for about another year, and I just had no passion for it anymore. Um, you know, and it, it's, I felt it was important for me to try to act with integrity, and, you know, and if I had no passion for the work, then I probably shouldn't work there. That wasn't really fair to my employer. Um, but in the meantime, um, you know, I, I love this place, but Colorado Springs, you know, I got here, people, I made friends, people were nice to me, they, you know, they included me in things. I love Colorado Springs. And um, so initially, uh, I thought I would start a food business, but I discovered that a food business is very, very difficult to start, and I don't want to work that hard. So um, so I, I tried to figure out what I could do to, to help people who are starting food businesses. And um, and that's how I, I came up with the writing and the promoting small businesses. Um, so that's the story. But I think the question was, what was it like? And it it's been um, it's been very interesting. The when you work for a big corporation, you have to have a set of big corporation skills. Um, and some of those skills were really useful, like being able to talk with people and you know schedule things and and knowing how to deal with contracts and stuff like that. Um, some of it, it took me a while to, you know, to figure out how, you know, how people work. When, when people who run small businesses run, it's different. It's uh, it's not quite so process-oriented. It's a lot more passion-driven. And, um, and you know, so it, it took some time making sense of all that. Um, you know, but I love that about the small business owners. They're so passionate about what they do, and they get an idea, and they're, you know, they're like, full steam ahead. We're just going to do this. Um so I, I don't know. I'm not sure that answers this question either, but but that's a story, and you know, I've done my best. Yes, yeah, you did a great job. You did great. Yeah, you did a great job, Bonnie, answering that question. Um, I have a follow up to that. If you could change anything about the transition from the corporate world to having your own business, uh, would there be anything that you would change? Um, yes, I I would. So when I, I finished, so I, I, I decided I wanted to stop working in the corporate world. And I felt that I needed to do, I needed to know what I was going to do. Um, so I spent a lot of money trying to do this thing that I thought I was going to do. If I could do it again, I would tell myself to take a little bit of time and experiment and see and learn more about the environment I was getting into. And to understand myself better, too, because when you, you know, when you work for somebody else, you do your best at whatever they need you to do. But when you work for yourself, you have the opportunity to really distill down what are your best skills and what do you really want to do. And so if I could do it again, I would give myself more time to do that. And I think I would spend less money in the end, and I, I would um, I would have been able to – I would have spent less time doing something I didn't want to do and more time focusing on what I did want to do. Bonnie, you also want to help people follow their passion and – what do you have to say to someone who's torn between changing or not changing their life and following that passion? What would be your advice? What would be my advice? Do I give anyone advice? I think I would say that it's worth trying. We don't we don't live forever. Um, you know, something that was really driven home um, in my life, and. You know, when when you when you feel passionate about something, and when you when you know what you do well, it's a completely different experience. Um, and you know, while maybe not everybody can jump into it feet first, it's definitely worth opening the door. Um, you know, or maybe the the metaphor is to dip a toe in the water and and see where it leads. Because 
I, you don't know. I mean, it might be it might be really fantastic. It might be really beyond your wildest dreams. And and I would say, you know, with a good plan and hard work and some flexibility, it actually is beyond your wildest dreams. When we talk about a good plan, what are some elements to a good plan as you see from your perspective as a writer and someone who's trying to encourage other people? What are the elements of a good plan? <laughs> Rich, I'm the worst planner in the world. I don't know. Well, see, that'll make, I... that'll make you really good at answering this question then. Because if... <laughs> Yeah, because uh, you know, because I advice from the person who doesn't plan well. To yeah, that that does make sense. Um, actually, what I found to be really helpful was um, to hire a business coach, and this was something that I didn't think of until about a year and a half into this experiment. Um, but I joined a networking group, and and one of the people in the group happened to be a business coach, and he has been incredibly helpful um, because what I learned from him was that you don't. You know, like I didn't need a 60-page business plan because it was just going to change anyway, and it's not my personality to be able to stick with something like that. Um, but she said, you know, make a list of all the things you might want to do and put them in order of what would be interesting, and you know, and then do the top two. And then he said, you know, just get a piece of poster board and write down your five-year revenue goals. And, and so being able to... Um, to be flexible, you know, maybe not being able to, but having to be flexible, just being that sort of person, that that has worked really well for me. And I would imagine that trying to create those, you know, long-term but brief goals um, would probably be helpful for other people in my, you know, with my personality type who are doing the same sort of thing. That makes a lot of sense, Bonnie. Definitely. But you are more of a planner than you give yourself credit for. So, yeah. I, you know, I think we uh, we don't always see ourselves as other people see us. Um, question for you about Hens with Pens, your business called Hens with Pens. Um, uh, Bonnie Simon of Hungry Chicken Homestead. Uh, you get to know many other business owners in your local community here in Colorado Springs and across the country by writing stories to promote them. And how does the pursuit of their passions fuel yours? You touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'd like to hear more about that. Oh, so how how do their passions fuel your passion to help them? They're so. Um, can I just tell you a story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. We um, love stories. So, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. That, so there's a little company in town called Scooped Up. Um, you know, like you'd have a souped-up car, souped-up. And this is um, a girl named Jessie, and she makes soup. And um, so Jessie, I met with Jessie for coffee one afternoon, and and she was telling me how she had been in this place in her life where, um, I don't know, she was in a, an unhappy marriage, and her job, she wasn't happy in her job, and, like, everything sort of fell apart at once. And um, And somebody said to her, you know, you make really good soup. You should sell it. And she said... I don't even know how to get started. And her friend said to her, you should just sit by the side of the road and see if people would buy it. And they laughed, but then she did it. And <laughs> she did. She wow. sat she, she was at the corner of Fillmore and Centennial in her car selling soup, like the, you know, like we have Somali sellers around here in town. And, and she discovered that people really like the soup. So, so she got a, um, she rented some kitchen space and, and started making the soup. She delivers it. And, um, and now this is how she supports herself. And then there's a number of small businesses, little restaurants in town that also serve her, her soup. And so you can hear how excited I get when I tell, tell you my story about Jessie. Um, right. The fact that she was able to, you know, to, to start from this unhappy place in her life and, and take this huge risk, like this crazy risk. I mean, you know, who, who has the courage to sit in her car and sell soup? But she did it. And I just, I find that so inspiring that, you know, she didn't collapse. She didn't go and, you know, end up relying on other people. She didn't run around complaining how miserable her life was. She did this crazy experiment and, you know, and found something in it that, I mean, that's what she does now. She, she, she runs her own business. She is a, a self-supporting business owner. And I, I just, you know, people like that, I just could hear those stories all day long that to me, I, all I want to do is, is, you know, is, is retell those stories and, and try to, you know, try to get the word out. Because the only reason a person wouldn't buy soup from such a person, and the soup is really good, by the way, 
is because they don't know about her. Well, I have the ability to tell you about her. So I do. I love that. I love that. I love I how passionate you are story. about hearing other people's passions and turning them into stories. And, uh, and you're a great writer. Well, you, you tell great stories just verbally too, obviously, but, um, I love reading your written stories about various businesses because that same passion comes through. And, uh, and you get all of us excited to go out and do our own thing. It's, it's awesome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. I love it. Um, Bonnie, one thing that you, you have called yourself, um, before, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about the explanation, um, is you call yourself a modern homesteader. What does that mean? Oh, well, it means that I live within sight. Like if you stand on my, on my porch, you can see the big buildings from downtown. Um, you know, so I did not get this land from the government, you know, 40 acres and a mule or, you know, anything like that. Um, what I, you know, I bought my house and, um, and so people these days, I mean, most people don't raise chickens or grow their own food. You can, the food system is very centralized and, you know, you can go to the grocery store and never learn where an egg comes from. But there's a, a movement of people who want to produce some of their own food. And it's not just food. Um, they like to make things as well. Um, and those are the modern homesteaders. So I fall into that category, you know, with the chickens and, and my, uh, my endless gardening experiments. I can only grow peas and mint up here in the high desert, but you know that's something. So, so I can I can grow a little bit of my own food, and um, you know, and I think we uh, we we try to we try to be a community. So, you know, like if I need help building a garden box, I can can work with the other homesteaders, and someone will help me. And then when they need help with something, I help them. You are a very good cook, and. Um uh, yeah, and you are an amazing um, local player in the community for other small businesses. We're going to hear more about what, what Bonnie and the chickens from Hungry Chicken Homestead, what they cook and what life looks like on their modern homestead next. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. You are listening to Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com. I am Rich Hallstrom. My special guest host is Chris Hardy this week. And our special guest is Bonnie Simon from Hungry Chicken Homestead. And we were having a great conversation about all of her businesses. And Bonnie, at this point in our discussion, I want to bring up a very important point. In starting businesses, a lot of people, they get some adverse reaction and get some stumbling blocks put in their way in the form of naysayers. How should a person out there who's listening to our conversation today uh, take on those naysayers and those negative uh, people and those those just general all-around downers that we have in our lives Go ahead. It's um, interesting that you asked that question because I asked that question to my business coach, um, and he told me the story, and so I feel like I should tell you his name, which is Kevin Gifford. Um, and he told me how um, apparently crabs, like if you buy them in store and they're still living and you know, you're going to cook them, if you have one crab in a box, the crab will escape. But he said if you have more than one crab in the box, if one tries to escape, the others will pull it back in. And he said that, um, that people can be very much the same, that if one person tries to, tries to branch out and do something on their own, that often the naysayers will just try to pull them back into the box, just like crabs. Um, right. But what he said was that the, uh, the best thing to do is to surround yourself with people who are not naysayers, to seek out those people and, and help them to seek out those people and and have them help you know let them help you by by being enthusiastic because there you'll find all kinds of people I mean you'll find both people who say you know yeah this is a great idea and people who say no it's impossible um, you know the truth is somewhere in the middle it's what you make of it so you know you choose who you talk to I don't know if that's good advice or not but it worked for me I think it's great advice. 
Great. You know, and in following up on that too, have you in the process of do, kind of doing your own thing and listening to to yes voices instead of naysayers, have you found that you've lost some friends along the way? Um, I wouldn't say lost friends per se. Um, there have been some people I've had to convince, and uh, actually, that's really satisfying when a naysayer says, "You know, I wasn't sure you could do this thing, but there you are." <laughs> and, um, but there are, you know, I think anytime you change anything in your life, there are just some people that, you know, they just sort of drift away. And that's okay. I mean, you know, they, they may drift back at some time, but that, you know, you just, you only have so much space in your life. So true. So true. Um, well, let's, you know, I'm just intrigued by these chickens. <laughs> let's go. Can we talk again about the chickens a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, okay, so obviously you uh, you probably do some traveling here and there occasionally, and I'm curious, who does watch the chickens when you're gone, and what does the training program look like? <laughs> Chicken training. Uh, Chicken training. <laughs> Chicken training. Chicken care. Um, there, there's, there are other people in the household, so if I if I go if I go away, they take care of the chickens and. Chickens are shockingly easy to take care of. Um, once they're grown up, they put themselves to bed at night. They know where the food is. So as long as somebody makes sure that the, there's food and water and locks up the coop at night, um, then, you know, they're fine. The, the biggest danger with chickens is that something will get them while they're sleeping. They can't see at night. So if a raccoon or a fox were to get into the coop, it could eat all the chickens and they would be pretty much helpless. Um, but during the day, they, uh, they have this talent where they... You know, like I've got six chickens, they make themselves look like a six-headed monster and pretty much scare away anything that, that might try to eat them, except for hawks. Um, but they can see a hawk long before I know there's anything in the sky. They're, they're very predator savvy. So they're, that's, uh, you know, it's usually not that hard to get somebody to take care of them. And, you know, if there's nobody home, I can usually find somebody who will take care of them in exchange for eggs. Mm. Bonnie, Good. I have a question. Uh, and it kind of leads into what uh, you and Chris were talking about a moment ago. Um, what is the biggest business lesson? Just notice how I'm going to tie this in. I never thought I would be doing this on the radio, uh, tying these two, tying these two things together. But I'm going to try. What is the biggest business lesson you've learned from the chickens themselves? Nicely done. <laughs> um, the, the you know, it's, you would think that that would be a crazy question, um, but actually, chickens are pretty good role models. They, um, like, they don't get discouraged. They, you know, if, if oh wow, uh, yeah, and Roxanne is a great, a great um, example of this. That she is chicken number six. She is the the lowest ranking chicken in the flock. And you know, if she like, if I put out some scraps, you know, maybe kale scraps or something, and and they're, um, you know, they all rush over and they all want to eat the scraps, so they kind of fight over the scraps. Well, Roxanne will rush in, and and one of the red chickens will chase her away, and then she comes back and they'll chase her away again, and so she rethinks this, and you can see the wheels turning in her tiny little chicken head. What she'll do is she'll sort of stand a little bit outside the circle of chickens, and then when one of them shakes a, a kale stem, the, they do that so they get the leaves off. Well, the kale stem gets flung outside of the circle and Roxanne grabs it. And and I, I'm not sure if the lesson is apparent there, but, um, but, you know, she doesn't get discouraged and and she finds another way. She, you know, she's patient. So I, I thought that was a really good lesson from them, that they're they're just, they're pretty content with where they are in pecking order and and it doesn't, doesn't stop them. They don't get discouraged that way. I think we all have a lot to learn from chickens, huh? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Persevering chickens. I, I like them. I've had the pleasure of getting to know uh, Bonnie, to meet Bonnie's chickens, and they are pretty amazing. I didn't know they were perseverers, though. I My admiration for them has just skyrocketed. Hey, well, it sounds like they might make some good guests for the, sh- good guests for the show. Maybe we might uh, be revisiting, so, yeah. this, revisiting this and actually have the chickens on the show. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they might be better guests than me. I like that idea. 
Chris, Chris, I believe I believe you had a follow up question. I just had to interject that this morning. I I couldn't pass it up, but uh, go on. No, we'll absolutely. Try. Absolutely, Rich. I like that. I think the chickens should be guests. They make great guests. Um, and Bonnie, you had uh, you had mentioned just a moment ago about feeding the chickens scraps. So, what what do chickens eat, uh, scrap wise or meal wise? What uh, what does that look like for them? You know, it's always about the food, no matter the species. They, they well, of course. But, you know, what are we interested in in the end? Um, they will eat almost anything, and and it's. Uh, so people would say to me, do you sell the eggs? And I say, no, I don't sell them because if I sell them, then I have to be concerned with what they eat. But as it is, if I have lettuce, they get the, they get the core. If I have strawberries, they get the tops. Um, if I have a pork chop, they get the bone. And they love the pork chop bone. They'll, one of them will grab it and then they play what I call chicken keep away where, you know, that one runs and the others will follow her and then somebody else grabs it and kind of the opposite of tag. Um, I have seen them, I've seen them eat, uh, one time they caught what looked like a giant hornworm. It was this, this like gigantic green, bright green worm. And I think it was a terrible death for the worm, but they were, they were really thrilled to catch this thing. Um, but strangely, my flock does not like pumpkin. And it seems really arbitrary to me because other, other chickens, apparently other people feed their chickens pumpkin and the chickens are thrilled to death, but mine just ignore it. So, you know, what your flock eats, maybe it's cultural. I'm, I'm not really sure how they decide what they're going to eat and what they're not going to eat. Interesting. Wow. Um, so, okay, so I, I know that, um, uh, from having been there, I know that occasionally the chickens will get in the house. And uh, it's a bizarre sight to see chickens in a house. Um, <laughs> and their home is typically outside, but, you know, things happen. And uh, I'm wondering about, do you have any mishaps with the chickens inside the house that you'd care to share? Constantly. Thank you. And, you know, you can hear the, the monk annoyance in my voice. <laughs> so what happens is I will, I will open the back door to let a cat out or the dog out, and a chicken will just run right in, you know, before I even have a chance to stop her. And, uh, you know, chickens, like, if they were, if you could put it, you could actually, they do sell chicken diapers. And if you're willing to put a diaper on your chicken, they're actually, they're good company because they, you know, they kind of stand around the kitchen and they cluck to you. And um, I, they're a good cleanup crew because, like, one time I, one of the cats actually pushed an egg off the, off of the counter and it landed on the floor, and you can imagine what happens. So I let the chickens in, and they just ate that. They, you know, like I said, they'll eat anything, so including a, a broken egg. Um, but one time, I, was, I can't remember what kind of chaos was going on, and I opened the door, and the chickens, three or four chickens got in. And I, I, I don't know, I dealt with the other problem, and then I went looking for them. And they had made their way into the office, um, and they were... In the office, there's a there's a big full-length mirror, and there were two of them standing there in front of the mirror as if they were getting ready for the ball. And then one of the cats had circled around and was hiding behind hiding behind the desk, watching watching this this preening. And um, I don't know. At that point, I grabbed the chickens and put them back outside. I don't know if they ever actually went to the ball, but the uh, the cat was disappointed. <laughs> he, he was very he was very disappointed. Let's let's. Be honest here, Bonnie. Wasn't he was very disappointed, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was. That's although people ask me all the time, are the cats a danger to the chickens? Um, the answer is no, because besides being about the same size, the chickens had the advantage of being able to make themselves look like that six-headed monster, which is six times the size of the cat. So the cats actually usually leave them alone. Although um, one cat, I, he does like to go outside, and he just derives an enormous amount of pleasure from chasing them and watching them squawk and run. But he doesn't he doesn't actually pounce on them. Now, Bonnie, I have a business idea for you, and you can uh, tell me if you think this would be a good idea. This would be a good idea. Have you ever thought about the idea? And I'm a sports-minded guy because most of my background is in uh, sports reporting and things like this. And I just had this idea pop into mind. In our in our remaining minutes on the show, uh, what do you think about a chicken Olympics? <laughs> I think it is hard to explain to a chicken what you want her to do, <laughs> but, 
But if you could find a way, then I think, you know, like I've got a chicken that I think would win the chicken flying Olympics because she could fly over the six-foot fence. But, I, you know, explaining to her about the whole gold medal system, I, I don't know if she'd ever understand and be motivated by that. But, but I appreciate the idea. That's, uh, that's, it's very thoughtful of you to, you know, think of a way to keep them entertained. In our remaining moments, Bonnie, I want you to talk about um, your business a little bit more and wrap up everything that you want people to take away from today's show and how they can contact you and how they can get in touch with you and and why they should get in touch with you. So I'll give you the floor and uh, take it away. Oh, thank you. Um, well, you can reach me um, on my website, which is um, HungryChickenHomestead.com. That's one word, HungryChickenHomestead.com. Um, and what do I want people to I guess I didn't know I was going to be asked this question. This is very interesting. Um, what I'd like people to take away is that, you know, you know we, we live this kind of hard scrabble life. I mean, everything's wonderful. It's the 21st century, and we have amazing technology and, you know, and medical science, and we live a long time. But we still, we're still people, and it still comes with risk, and it comes with sadness, and it comes with unexpected setbacks. But that doesn't mean that you can't do anything else. It doesn't mean that that everything stops. Um, you know, what it means is that you have an opportunity to choose what you want to do, and and you know, I think the best thing you can do is. is is make that decision for yourself and try to, to be what you want to be, to live the way you want to live. Um, so why should you get in touch with me? Because I have great stories about chickens um, and also about locally owned businesses. Um, and I know uh, the show is in Seattle, um, you know, but if anybody's ever thinking of visiting Colorado Springs, um, HungryChickenHomestead.com is a great place to find out where you should go. Because you know, when you visit someplace, you think to yourself, where do the locals go? Well, my website will tell you where the locals go. So come on out and visit. It's really wonderful out here. Bonnie, real quick, thanks very much for telling us all that. I have a follow-up. Um, what do you see as the future of your business? As the future of my business, um, I have a couple of goals. Um, one is that I would like to be able to offer locally produced and grown products people across the country on the website. So, um, for example, there's a little company out here called, it's actually a foundation, it's the Harley's Hope Foundation, and they make, um, they make jelly to support the foundation, which supports people with, um, with companion animals who need help. I'd like to be able to offer, you know, people all over the country the, the jelly that they make here um, through the website and other, other products. Um, and I guess that's, at this point, that's my primary goal, to, to help other to help those small businesses expand their reach as much as I can. And the rest of it, who knows? I'm not a very good planner, so really anything could happen. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Our guest has been Bonnie Simon from Hungry Chicken Homestead. I'm Rich Hallstrom. You've been listening to Motivation with a Purpose. Special thanks to my guest host this week, Chris Hardy. Tune in next week for another exciting edition of Motivation with a Purpose right here on TalkZone.com. 